Welcome to Thinking Past Sunday, where we discuss everything from theology to giving a biblical perspective on things of the unknown. As believers ourselves, we hope to interact with believers and non-believers alike, answering questions and giving insight into things not typically discussed in a Sunday morning service. Let's go! All right, guys, thanks for listening to episode two. Uh, this is Thinking Past Sunday. We uh, changed the name for various reasons. Um, figured we'd do it now rather than wait. So here we are. Um, with me, I'm Brett, and then I got Pastor William from last episode. Got Jesse, who was on last episode, and then Pastor William's son, Hayden, is in from Kentucky. Yeah, Louisville. Louisville, yeah, Louisville Kentucky. Kentucky. Mm-hmm. So. We're all here just sitting around talking. We've discovered that Pastor William has not seen the movie Goonies. Yeah, correct. And yeah. Uh, that was kind of disappointing. And Hasn't seen Goonies and barely remembers The Princess Bride. Princess Bride. Well, no, so. but, uh, I, I, I would assert I've never seen either of them. Um, you have. Some people in my family uh, insist that I've actually seen The Princess Bride. I can't speak I, to I, The Goonies, but yeah. you showed me Princess Bride. Did I? Yes. Well, anyway, I, I don't... I don't remember like some people do. It seems like everybody has a quote or two or three from that movie. Yeah. And they always just drop them and look at me like I'm supposed to respond with at least some sense of recognition. And it's not there. All I okay. can say. I don't know who. All I can say is it's <laughs> inconceivable. Inconceivable. <laughs> well, all I do is people like me say, my name is... He has six fingers. Yeah, yeah. Anto- is it Antonio or my name is something something? You killed my father or something? I'm like, what? Yeah. The, what are you talking about? The yeah. guy with the six fingers yeah. is the guy who killed the father. Yeah. So oh, every time okay. he goes to fight somebody, he's like seeing how many fingers they got. So he can- right. Well, if yeah. I say there, 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 there are two rules: never get in a land war with Russia. Yeah. And when death is on the line. Never bet against the Sicilian. If you... No, I, think, I, 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 I was going to say I'm, I'm messing if, up the quote myself. If, if death <laughs> is on the line, don't answer the phone. No. I, I uh-huh. don't know what you're. Anyway, I, I'm I'm not terribly familiar with you one of those, but I apologize to everyone for not uh, partaking of these amazing and important cinematic yeah uh, feats. But I, I I will watch the Goonies. That sounds sounds amusing. It sounds fun. I just I don't know it how I missed fun. it. Maybe the name just never really appealed to me. Fantastic movie. It's it's good. Well, I I think everybody has those movies that like they're blown away that somebody else hasn't. Like I personally, until I married Courtney, I hadn't seen any of the Star Wars movies, and that I uh, found out that was a big no no. So I had to bore myself through all of those. Sorry, anybody who's there. There are some movies that are on individuals' personal lists, but there are some that are cultural. Yeah, it's culturally taboo if you haven't and that's, seen. That's them. one of them, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, um, I labored through Doctor Zhivago in college. I'm sorry. My goodness, yeah, I was too. I kept thinking, okay, this this will get better. This will get better. Sorry, it's, I rented it from back when the days of VHS. You know, and, and missed, it took yeah. like three tapes. Yeah, and so I kept thinking, okay, it'll get better on the next tape. Yeah, and then all I remember at the end was he leaves. Uh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! It, it's like what? What a what a moron! I mean, he <laughs> goes through all these agonizing str- struggles and trials to be with his love or something, and then he somehow somehow it's nobler that he walks away or something. I don't know. Is that weird? A war, is that a war movie? I can't. I, 
a lot of I've, a lot I've of winter, it, but a lot I've of never, winter, a lot of winter. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's about you know I think it takes place in Russia. Okay, uh, you know. Anyway, it, it was not my favorite movie. So, you know, I, but I felt like you know it's a classic. Mm-hmm. Everybody should watch that. Maybe the book's better. Listen, they you know are. people talk about classics. People love like Gone with the Wind, and I personally thought it was boring as snot. I've never seen that one either. I just, just I was not yeah. impressed. Yeah. You know, I I did uh, finally watch Tombstone. Not is it Tombstone? I I don't the really long one with Robert Duvall and no, that's Lonesome Dove. Lonesome, Dove. Lonesome Dove, yeah. Tombstone and, is uh, yeah. Tombstone Val is Kilmer, Val Kilmer, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah, I'm your Huckleberry. Sam Elliott, yeah, I'm see, your Huckleberry. See, when yeah. I see a movie, I remember it. Yeah, yeah. I'm your Huckleberry. Tombstone's yeah. one of my favorites of all yeah. time. Uh, Tombstone uh, is my favorite western. Yeah, that's yeah. why you have that mustache like that. Well. All my 10th grade uh, students, like I say, he taught my class at all, uh, yesterday. And after break, my uh, 10th grade boys came in, we're growing mustaches. <laughs> so, yeah, and so I, I said, uh, Mr. Thornton, I've, I've been teaching you for a year, and I've had a mustache all along. And he said, nah, not like his. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's funny. But anyway, yeah, we had a good time. So. Cool. So. Anyway, um, Hayden was just telling me I need to read a, a classic book called How to Read a Book. That's the title of the book, How to Read a Book. Yeah. Now, it's, you would uh, think that'd be self-explanatory. Sorry, yeah. It, just, it's, it's, first, you have to open it. Yeah, it's uh, uh, written by Mortimer J. Adler is, is the author. Oh, he was the editor for the greatest books of the Western world, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, so, yeah, so, so he put that together. Yeah, his original, the original printing was actually 1940. Oh, wow. How to read okay. a book, and, and then it saw a reprinting with a new preface that he wrote in the seventies, and it's probably gone some additional reprinting since that time. I mean, it's easily found. Yeah. And so, so are, are you implying, sir, that there were books before the internet? And <laughs> <laughs> in fact, only books. Wow, <laughs> only books. Yeah, that's the truth. Now, speaking of books, uh, I heard this the other day, and I I never knew this, but. The Bible was the first actual printed book. It was the there were scrolls and stuff, obviously before. It was but. one of the first. It was the first book printed on the Gutenberg press, I believe. Okay, um, right. So, so it was I, the first one mass, yeah, like mass produced. Yeah, yeah, when movable type for the yeah. Gutenberg press gotcha. became an option, right? That yeah, that would have been one of the first Golden things that they were uh, the uh, putting King, out. The King James. I, I literally so. just I heard that like. Two days ago. Oh, really? And I was like, yeah. that that's kind of cool, but well, I didn't know that. You know? Well, and part of it might be that even before the printing press with binding, the, the, the concept of binding pages yeah. into a book, uh, the Bible was probably one of the first ones. Right on. Once okay. that. Everything was scrolled first. Mm. And, what do they call that? Codexing? Yeah. Uh, the codices, uh, the codexing way of making a book revolutionary when it first came out. Huh. That's interesting. But yeah, that and you know the the funny thing about that in my mind is, is when you think about uh, the, the Gutenberg press movable type and the Bible being the, the first book printed and mm-hmm. that is largely how it became so widespread and popularized and whatever yeah. and it, today we still have the uh, the outwork of that in the fact that so many people um well, I don't know how many anymore, but anyway, they insist on the King James version because yeah. you know that's 
that's it was the King James version that was was printed, and actually it was not even the only translation available at the time. It was not even the best, mm-hmm. really, but it did have King James endorsement. So it, it, it's good to be the king. Right. You know? Well, it's so. yeah, and the, with the KJV only community, yeah. uh, which I think might be the best word to describe them. They really are a community. You can immediately put their feet to the fire on the question when you ask them which version of the King James. Right, which version of that right. version. Not not the new King James. They would reject that. Most of them, if they're really consistent, if they're careful, say the 1611 yeah. King James Version. And I do yeah. agree. That, I mean, there are versions of the Bible you should probably yeah. stray away oh, from. Yeah. Right, don't. But the, the to reggae be so, one is, is I remember good. at our our previous church that we went to, there was a lady that she left frustrated at the end of service because the pastor was preaching out of I think ESV or something and she was like I will not go to a church that doesn't preach from the King James Version and I was like why well like What's, Hayden was saying it's like, which on. one which one <laughs> yeah. because you can actually buy a, a reproduction of the original 1611 mm-hmm. King James version of the Bible and there are blatant errors yeah and blatant and it's unreadable hmm. yeah because the English is old English right and not just adding a th on the you know Thou liveth, or right. whatever, but Old English, you know, almost Chaucer-like, you, you can't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so, if people want to be purist, and I and I could afford it, because they're kind of, they're like a hundred bucks or something, like they're expensive. Yeah. But anyway, I would love to just say, oh, really? Well, here you go. Here's your 1611 version of the King James Version, so that's, that is about as pure as it gets. So, right. you know, and en- enjoy that for your Bible study. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, the... the the King James Version, whichever one that we're talking about, it is a fine translation. It's, it, it, mean, is. it is. It is. Um, but it is not the best. No. Um, yeah. The, but so. there are some that you should definitely stay away from, right? I, I don't categorize things like the message. I don't oh, even yeah. consider that a translation. It's what? not. That's because it's not. It's not even a paraphrase. Um, it's, it's, it, yeah. It's, it, you know, you got translations, which are what you want for your uh-huh. study Bible. You want a translation. It should be one that you, you can read easily. And understand, uh, and and different people, and depends on the purpose. Yeah. Uh, if, anyway, it should be one you, you could easily understand, but it should be a translation and not a paraphrase. Mm-hmm. You know, the Living Bible is a paraphrase. Right. The message uh, is what. Uh, is less put, of a paraphrase. Yeah, less um, than a paraphrase. Well, I I mean blasphemous, but well, it's it's just uh, yeah a retelling. Yeah, it's, I it's, think the um, I, I, we had a person whenever I was at SBU who came for chapel. One of the few times that they even used the Bible for chapel. Um, And they read from the message. And the exact wording was, Christ went for the jugular when he died on the cross. I think he went for the death blow of sin, I think was the idea. Well, yeah, I mean, I I get the, again, I get the image. But uh, I just don't understand. It was unnecessary. It didn't help anybody. Nobody nobody came closer to Christ because, oh, because you worded it like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then, but there is one worse. The message has actually been surpassed. Well, by way of disclaimer, before we get to that, hold that thought just a second. Uh, By way of disclaimer, I I like the message um, occasionally. I, I, sometimes I do look at it, see if, you know, a more modern retelling of to get the i would never preach from one though mm, right you know because i don't think you're expounding the word of god doing that mm-hmm. get, but anyway so you know, don't don't hear me saying the message is a horrible thing it's just it should not be your primary source of bible study 
Yeah. 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 Go ahead. What's the, worse than the message? Oh, all the uh, the the fine folks. I th- I want to say that Bethel Church in uh, Redding, California, were, were a major part of this. Came out with the Passion Translation. I haven't heard of that. No, I haven't oh, either. No. Yeah. And I, I I pay attention to them a yeah. little bit just that, because. Well, they're so darn much fun to pay attention. It's mind-blowing, honestly. Yeah, but. but the Passion Translation, I was in a bookstore a couple of days ago, saw the Passion Translation, and started thumbing through some more familiar verses uh, to see how how bad. Uh, and admittedly, I went into it expecting it to be bad. I wasn't disappointed. The, I was looking through Romans 9, and where Paul is speaking of the right that the uh, the potter has over the clay. Right. Where in real translations, you get the idea that there are those that are created as vessels of destruction awaiting God's wrath. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they found a way to make the wording so ambiguous, such that they can be objects of God's wrath, but that uh, his patience with them is long lasting and and the basic you you read it without the clear sense of what Paul is actually trying to communicate right. in, in a very very harmful way and that was just one passage and so I can't imagine what the, what what the rest of it is not, not to mention that if I could choose a group of people who would handle scripture less carefully it would be those yeah. behind the passion yeah. <laughs> and now we uh we'll probably start getting hate mail because so many people are obsessed with Bethel and yeah. well, it's my it it is absolutely mind blowing to me when you read into that church and you watch videos. And it's just like how how I just I it just blows my mind. Yeah, I, I can't yeah. even speak and honestly because it's yeah it's you, insane. You and it's one of those things that whenever you're you're speaking to someone who is infatuated, I maybe that'd be the best way to infatuated with the Bethel esque movement, right? Because it's not just Bethel. Although yeah. Bethel is one of the most popular yeah. churches in the world. Um, it's part of this larger movement, uh, which it gets very nuanced in the different subcategories mm-hmm. and uh, the, the NAR, the New Apostolic Reformation. And and for those in leadership of those churches, there it is, it's actually a very complex uh, uh, eschatology. Mm-hmm. Right. What um, and and a lot of it is how is it that we're going to usher in the the kingdom of God and and suddenly whenever you start looking at the finer points of their theology, which your average congregant probably is completely, not, un- right. completely unaware of, um, right? There are like seven hills that that's what they call them. Seven hills uh, that that the kingdom will be ushered in on. And that is through Christian businesses, Christian music, Christian media and entertainment, Christian government. Christian, mm-hmm. I can't remember them all, uh, but that's that's the idea. And so suddenly you begin to realize, oh, why is it that that we are pushing so heavily? Um, at best, subpar, and at worst, outright uh, uh, heretical Christian music. Yeah, plaguing our radios. Yeah. So the NAR stuff in that movement. I mean, it's probably the, one of the most pervasive movements in, uh, especially Western evangelicalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, why is it that we are pushing so heavily, extremely poorly produced, hokey Christian movies? <laughs> it's the NAR, right? Yeah. It's like this is how we're going to usher in the kingdoms, you know. Yeah. And not to mention, though, whenever you look at something like Bethel, there is no um, scriptural discernment. Mm-hmm. Zero 
discernment. You have, again, things ranging from questionable uses of Scripture to outright paganistic witchcraft. Yeah, pagan. Yeah, and that's... In the services, yeah, uh, such that when somebody says, "Oh, the, this it's the spirit's moving," well, a spirit is moving, right? It isn't the holy one, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, yeah. it, well, I, <laughs> I I couldn't agree more. But uh, it's been nice. This is our second and last episode because <laughs> now we are going to get hate mail. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you know, oh, okay. Oh, okay. no, I hear what you're saying, but and it is it's true. I I know there was a, um, I I. Um, did not attend, but there was it was a group from Bethel that led a, a, a chapel service, uh-huh. uh, wherein uh, the students were encouraged to uh, get in touch with their spirit animal. Uh, no, they were supposed to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to them the spirit animal of their friend next to them, and then they were supposed to speak that to their friend so that their friend could be empowered by... And I was like, okay, this isn't just bad Christianity or bad theology, this is blatant paganism yeah and that's an, that's animal worship i mean yeah. it's like hey, there's no difference between that and going into the desert and smoking peyote and waiting mm-hmm. for your spirit animal to show up well that's yeah. that's opening a door that's opening door to get in touch with a spirit yeah All and right. i don't but think i'm people not sure that's safe realize so. that is like you yeah. play with those things that you you're inviting yes you're inviting evil Absolutely. in, and they will deceive you into thinking that that's the Holy Spirit moving or whatever, and right. really you're just you're just hanging out with a, a demon, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> right? And and that I think the pervasiveness is what's so uh, difficult because whenever you speak to somebody who again is infatuated with that, you have to be very specific. Mm-hmm. You can't just say I don't like Bethel. Yeah. What What do you mean? Well, I, specifically, you need to be able to put a name and a teaching to it. I don't like. Bill Johnson's, who's who's the the lead pastor at Bethel. I don't like Bill Johnson's preaching, particularly in these areas at right. Bethel, right? Uh, and and I think that helps a lot to being able to be very specific with it. Um, mm-hmm. And and because Amber and I watched a uh, Bill Johnson sermon, who had been invited to speak at a local church, which will remain unnamed. Yeah. Um, and the we watched the sermon from beginning to end. It was four minutes, and that was counting an anecdote because he had a funny story at the beginning. So really, of actual preaching, it was about 90 seconds before he entered into heresy. Christological heresy. Yeah. Um, and then the rest of the passage was the most strange New Age conglomerate of, of uh, paganistic teaching I've ever heard in my life. Talking about when you walk into the room, what shadows are you casting off, and uh, that your anxiety and depression or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. they, they have certain trigger words, uh, uh, will will uh, affect what kind of, basically, now he didn't use the word energies, but you could replace it with what energies it is that you are actually giving off that affect uh, those around you, and, and basically this all was tying into living in submission with the Spirit, because the whole premise was... Christ did everything that he did as a man under submission of the Holy Spirit, which that is nuanced. There's a way in which what he's saying is correct, and there's a way in which you need to modify that. Actually, Christ did everything he did as the God-man yeah, and under the submission of the Holy Spirit. Uh, but the problem, uh, Bill Johnson, first of all, didn't make that clarification. Secondly, he also went on to say, therefore, we can do likewise. So 
And he uses, it's interesting, he uses the example of Christ healing and, and of course, calming the seas. But one, one of the things that always gets me is, what, what is it that the apostles immediately asked after Christ calmed the seas? They didn't ask, how do we do likewise? They said, who is this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, clearly there was some categorical distinction. Christ was 100% fully man. Maybe that, that's a better way to describe that. He was fully man, yes, but he did things that only the God-man can do and was called to do. Yeah. And anyway, so that that's where the whole whole trajectory of the sermon followed was how do we do likewise? And being sinless in Christ was his first point. And, and being living in submission to the Holy Spirit, which that's where he went haywire. Mm-hmm. Just the most strange, unbiblical, uh, uh, unsupported claims. And what was so disheartening is after he would say the most inane, uh, again, very uh, uh, New Age pagan statement, you just hear the, the, the chorus of, yes, amens, mm, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Are you are you are you listening to, to this? And and it concluded with him sharing a story of one of the things that happened at a Bethel service. For those who are curious, what kinds of things are happening? And he, in his own omission, Bill Johnson said, "We have all kinds of wild things happen in our services. People doing acrobatics across the front of the stage, and and all kinds of uh, antics like that." Uh, but he said that during one of the services, he saw a woman during the kind of the height of, of uh, what, what I would call chaos. There was a woman, uh, as he walked towards her uh, on the stage where she was down in the crowd, the temperature dropped, it felt cold, and he knew she was possessed. She was under, or, or oppressed at least, mm-hmm. by a demon. And he would walk back and forth feeling temperature change to know that this was the case, right? It's like an episode of Ghost Hunters almost. Um, but... He went uh, off stage to his dance leader, which apparently is a position that they have. Do we have a dance leader? No, no. no. We, maybe, maybe if we you should. need one. I well, can, yeah. If I anything, this, yeah, the story will probably want you to get you one. All right. But he went to the dance leader and said, "I want you." I can apply for the job if you'd like. <laughs> yeah. 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 Everybody'd be thrilled by that. Uh, but he said, "I want you to go take care of this. Go take care of her." And she went. This is Bill Johnson's words. And she went and danced before the Lord. And that woman who had been suspended kind of like a marionette suddenly collapsed after the demonic strings had been cut from her. And again, there was just a a, a chorus of, of hallelujahs and praises and as the congregation was just spooning it in. And, and I, I paused and looked at Amber and I'm like, let me get this straight. <laughs> you expect me to believe that you came across a demon-possessed woman in your service. And your solution to this problem, and it worked, was to footloose this demon away. <laughs> I, 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 and that, that's light. That's light, right? Yeah. The, the, the real dark yeah. stuff comes. You get Bethel sending out their students of their school of supernatural ministry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Grave sucking. They will mm-hmm. go and lay on, on the graves of deceased believers to, to suck the anointing off the corpses that are supposed to be still present it's it's dark it's it's pagan i i, I didn't mean to chase that rabbit so far but it's, it's an easy rabbit to chase though, well yeah it, 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 yeah it i mean because you got what is it the you know they call them the glory clouds or whatever uh, oh yeah you get the <laughs> angel the feathers gold dust falling just, from heaven i don't i'd bring a dust band to church every sunday is all i know start collecting and, yeah sweep ups and gold dust and I, you know <laughs> i don't know what i yeah it's it's interesting and it is it is 100 percent un un 
that, uh, you know, somebody's already turned this off or, or just listening because they, they can't not listen because now yeah. they're just so mad. Um, so please understand, uh, nobody at this table denies the existence, the ministry and work and the wonder of the Holy Spirit. No. No. Uh, but um, his, his work is always to point to the Christ mm-hmm. and the con- convict of sin to convict the human heart and mind of who Christ is and the reality of, of their lost condition and, and then bring them into restoration through Christ. That's it. It's not to impress you. He's, yeah. it's, he's not a, uh, you know, a, a dinner party trick. Yeah. And, you know, if if you leave, in my mind, if, if you leave your church every Sunday talking more about all the... Uh, Mysticism that happened yeah, during all, service. Yeah, yeah, all the things that that happened during service. No, he used the more language than, of signs and wonders. Okay. Yeah. All yeah. The signs and wonders. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, if you leave talking more, or you spend your time talking more about those things than you do Christ, mm-hmm. you're missing the boat. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, I, I hope our people... Uh, like me as as their pastor i hope people love that i know they they love tiffany and i and and i am so thankful for that but if you talk about your pastor more than you do about christ yeah then you've got your priorities wrong mm-hmm. as i know people from a, a local mega church and every time i talk to somebody from that church they start talking about the pastor and yeah his the miracles in his life and how awesome and they go on and on and on and well, okay what, what about Christ? Yeah. What's Jesus doing yeah. in your life? You know. So um, there are problems whenever, in my mind, uh, there's potentially problems when, when you get so big, mm-hmm. so successful, um, that it becomes more human-driven. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and anyway, we, we, won't, uh, we don't have to well, talk about that's, that, but that's we're not trying to bash too. anybody. Just, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's sadly very common. Yeah. And many, I remember uh, when I was probably 19, I went to a, a local church, and once again, I won't name it, but um, it was Pastor Appreciation Week or whatever. Right. And they had, a, they had a program called Master's Commission. And during the service that Sunday, I was there because there was a girl there that I liked, so <laughs> I was just standing in the back or whatever. But all the, ki- the students of this Master's Commission would, uh, they were, First off, the pastor was on the stage sitting in a throne, and then throughout the week, they had all went and bought him gifts. Like, I remember somebody had, like, one of those uh, samurai sword sets. It's got, like, three of them or whatever, just right. random stuff. And, well, I, uh, I like where this is going so yeah, far, but I don't see anything wrong. Yeah. yeah I mean. So they were all lined up in front of the stage, and then they would take turns, and they would go, and they would they would bow down on one knee. They would drop their head, and they would, they would present the gift to him. They're offering... Yeah, and I was okay. Well, we just took a turn. I was blown away. I was like, "What? What is going on?" And then another thing that they would do on a regular basis was, he would be the pastor would be introduced, and he would come in from the back, and everybody would stand and just clap and shout. I was like, "What are you? What are you guys doing?" You know, like this guy is so far up on this pedestal. If if he falls, it's yeah, it's it's gonna. It it was mind blowing. But I think it's sad that that is such a common thing yeah uh, you know i think a lot of a lot of the the issues that that we've kind of described not just with bethel the, the new apostolic reformation at large and um and and the way that those influences have have worked their way into most churches most churches 
subliminally, sometimes more overtly, um, right? Because obviously your average church is not practicing grave sucking, which is yeah. I'm very thankful for, right? <laughs> but um, but there are a lot of influences, right? Again, if you consider the most uh, pro- the, the 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 prominent leaders of of popular Christian music nowadays, Bethel, mm-hmm. uh, Elevation Worship, right? Just just as bad, right? Stephen Furtick is yep. is mm, need to stay away from his teaching. Uh, Hillsong, same thing, right? These are these are like the the pillars of Christian music, which just about every young boy and girl is listening to. Yeah, and so the problems that that begin to manifest themselves can be difficult because you can very easily start trying to treat symptoms. Right, you need to uh, right because there's room for healthy disagreement about what the ministry of the Holy Spirit looks like. Right. I mean, right. some people want to try to make it about are you a cessationist or are you a continuationist? Right. This idea of have the sign gifts that we read about in Acts continued or have they ceased? Okay. Well, there's healthy disagreement there, even within the Reformed camp. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm a cessationist, but I don't I don't cut off communion with somebody just because they might be a continuationist. Yeah. Right. But the uh, but there are problems that can run a lot deeper uh, that ultimately, uh, and I just had some. Uh, some some friends who completed their PhD work on this point, trying to identify where is the problem uh, in modern evangelicalism, and, and the problem really comes down to how is it that you understand God's sovereignty, and particularly how that works out with prayer, mm-hmm. and how that plays out in missions, and how that plays into really that that core, that center core. And again, this is all technically trademarked, I guess, for for those who did that work. Um, comes down to the question of God's sovereignty. Is he really sovereign or is he not? Yeah. And ultimately what you can see, uh, and some people have a functional belief that God is not sovereign. Now, if you were to ask them, is God to, oh, absolutely, yes. But functionally, how do they live their life, their Christian life? How do they understand missions? How do they understand prayer, church services, uh, the the workings of the Holy Spirit? Often it comes down to, well, clearly you don't. Yeah. It's because you uh, – and and if you try – fix your time trying to fix all these outgrowing symptoms, you'll never get to the heart of the problem mm-hmm. because you can get to that question. Yeah. Often the yeah. other things will fix themselves. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, that could be a whole – series of, of episodes I know but it, um, yeah. oh and, and just as a disclaimer my, my words don't necessarily reflect the opinions of everybody at the table either <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I am not in a position or in fact a, a position of membership at Forged <laughs> so, we, yeah. we do have That's a disclaimer right. on the we, website we, okay. so <laughs> it's all good <laughs> just in case alert, disclaimer alert. No, we, just uh, in case yeah. Well, why don't we uh, move to a question we got? Yeah, right? we got to – yeah, let's do I that. I think it's a, a good question um, and, and relevant for a lot of people, I'm afraid. Yes, I, I agree. Um, before we do get to the question, though, you, the listener, can submit your questions or thoughts um, to us by texting or calling 417-314-4380, or you can email – and we did change the email address – to thinkingpastsunday at gmail.com. Um, and you can also uh, find us on Facebook or the church website, forgedbygrace.org. Um, but we did, over the week, I did get a text from an anonymous person. They re- wanted to remain anonymous. Um, and uh, they asked the question, 
How do you go about your marriage when your spouse has strayed from living a Christ-like life when they were a strong Christian before you got married? And I think that is a very good question. And like you said, Pastor William, it uh, there's probably more people than we would like uh, that are in this that kind right. of situation. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good question, and it should be a good good discussion. I hope whoever this person is who has this question, I hope we uh, uh, we answer this question and, and, and help you in some way mm-hmm. and other people who might be going through the same situation. Um, yeah. so, well, I, I think, um, and, and I don't mean to be, um, I don't want to imp- oversimplify right. the answer, but first thing I would say, uh, you, you work out your marriage with much prayer. Yes. Because you, it is a position that's difficult and you need, you need uh, to be in constant communion with the Lord and mm-hmm. you know seeking his um, wisdom and seeking his help so that that'd be the first thing I'd say and and I say that um, first because it's just the most straightforward advice Se- secondly though I, I think it's important to remember that particularly for believers uh, but even really non-believers but that, that's another story but particularly for believers, Marriage is a is a covenant relationship. Yes. Okay. And a covenant is binding. It's it's you, you don't break a covenant. You can't break a covenant. Um, and it's a picture the, the Bible tells us of Christ and the church. And the fact is, the church has, through many ways and many times over the the eras, uh, been less than faithful to, to Christ. And if the church is the bride of Christ, and and um, but yet has strayed. But in all of that, Christ never left the church. Right. Okay. So um, if if by the question, and, and I'm not saying it is because we I don't know this person's heart, and I, and I don't know if it's the husband or the wife. Uh, it, it's the wife asking okay. about the husband. Um, if the question is uh, in any way um, asking, do I have the right to get out of this relationship? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the clear answer to that is no, right? No, you, you, just because the person's not doing what they're supposed to do and not being faithful in regards to their living out their faith, um, you can't break the covenant. Yeah. Any more than every time I'm less than faithful, Christ just leaves me. Right. Okay. That that's the level of of that union, and so there there were times there have been times when I'm not faithful to the Lord. There was a period in my life. Oh, we were living in Odessa. I, I don't remember. It was right before law school or maybe part of during law school. There was a, certainly a period of time during law school. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there, there, were, there were times and seasons in my life, even though I've been a believer since I was like sixth grade, and I'd even pastored, but I went through a, a period of time I call the stupid years uh, where I, I just I didn't want to live the faith. Yeah, I never, you know, never denounced it. You know, I always believed and I knew better, but I wanted to live uh, like my buddies. I wanted to live in, in a way that was not in keeping with the Christian faith. And there were there was a season where Tiffany would get up and take the kids to church, and I didn't go because hmm. I didn't I didn't want a part of that. Yeah. You know, and it was a rebellious season in my life. Uh, constantly in the back of my mind, you know, uh, the Lord is. He's there, and uh, 
you know, to be, people talk about the presence of the Lord in your life, and that is most of the time a blessing, and that's what people talk about. I just yeah. felt God's presence, but I've been through seasons where the presence of the Lord is very convicting. Yes, you know, and so, um, so I, what I'm saying is, I think there are seasons maybe where a lot of people go through this, where your spouse is not not interested in living the Christian life we're all called to, mm-hmm. and. We, we, you just have to be remain faithful. Certainly, live your life according to the biblical standards, and hopefully, through your example and your faithfulness to that, your spouse can see, "Hey, this you know, this is so real to my wife. Um, I, I want that." Yeah. Or you know, just be a, be a witness to. It's also possible that um, your spouse, although they said the right words and uh, maybe did the right things in terms of going to church and, you know, participating in, in religious activities, it may be they, they don't know Christ as Savior. They, right. they really have not entered into a relationship with, with the Lord. Um, but the Lord will call that person back. I agree. And so patience, yes. prayer, and just continue to love them. I think the worst thing that a spouse could do is, is demean and condemn and badger, you know, Badger them for not living the Christian life and saying, you know, you used to do this or you used to be this way, and um, and now you're not doing right. If if you're constantly uh, critical, as that that can actually just drive them further away. And I think you just keep loving them, mm-hmm. keep respecting them, uh, but you certainly have to live your faith out in obedience to God's word, even if they're not. Yeah, and uh, it, I, I wish. I could say, well, here, here's the passage that says, you know, say these magic words and uh, everything will be fine. But it's, it's never that simple. Yeah, the so, th- those are pass- my thoughts in summary anyway. The, the passage that comes immediately to mind, that's not really a single passage. It's an entire book, Hosea. Yeah. yeah. Right, so uh, just that picture, uh, specifically uh, <laughs> through an unfaithful, marriage that's painted mm-hmm. between uh, you know to obviously illustrate the, the the unfaithfulness of God's people to himself and through the faithfulness of the prophet to Gomer mm-hmm. illustrating the faithfulness that the Lord ultimately has to his people even though that they are actively living in in conflict with right with that with that covenant so there is there is something of a picture there that that being said, I don't want to be in that situation in my own marriage necessarily. No. No, nobody does. You're right. No. Nobody, nobody wants does. to be in that position. But I, I think um, maybe for for that person, that can be at least a source of encouragement for themselves. How faithful then is the Lord to us? Then whenever you actively seeing your spouse, um, maybe not relationally be unfaithful, but just being unfaithful um, in their responsibilities. Uh, to to you because as a I feel that that would be a uniquely difficult thing as as a wife because there is a role in and an expectation in that covenant that is not being fulfilled that is leaving that person uh, the the wife where they are not, their primary source of spiritual leadership yes and their primary source of spiritual nourishment is absent 
and now they have to seek it elsewhere and that would be difficult yeah that would, that, that and, would dangerous be, and dangerous and dangerous yeah, that, that was actually yeah. um i was gonna ask um if there's obviously and with this culture it it triggers people but men and women do have different roles mm. correct so that is absolutely correct in this situation where the the male who is supposed to be the leader uh is the one who is kind of straight away like like if the table was turned the situation would be totally different in in some ways as well it would so uh, i think that the, the wife in in this case needs to be very conscientious of a, a couple things Number one, don't you cannot let yourself be drawn away from your faith. Yes. Okay, you can't. You need to respect your husband, honor your husband, love your husband, and relationally treat him just like you always did. When because his faithfulness to the Lord does not change your love for him or your respect for it. Well, it might you know bring the respect issue to bear a little bit. But anyway, my point is, you you just keep loving that person at the, the same way. But you cannot let your respect, love, um, and relationship with someone who's not walking the Christian faith pull you away from the walk. Mm-hmm. Because that's what happens a lot. I, I know of a situation, and it, it's a, a little bit different, but uh, the the wife is, is a Christian and went to church for many years, but she married an unchristian or a non-Christian. And instead of him, you know, gravitating towards the faith with her, she has walked away from the church and never attends church and is never but she wants those things yeah but she doesn't want to go alone he doesn't want her to go and so you know she's actually allowed him to pull her away so that's the first thing to be conscientious about and careful about the second thing is in that context you're 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 vulnerable and your marriage is vulnerable and you know if if your your desire is to have a, a faith walk with your spouse and, and you don't have that and can't have that um, if, if you find that in other people particularly of you know, the opposite gender and there are opposite genders by the way <laughs> um, you know that so easily becomes um, more than just a spiritual relationship and it, it can turn into uh, a, a real breeding ground for unfaithfulness mm-hmm. and you know and if you think about it um I, and and I, I admit i i don't pray with my wife as much as i should and um that is something that for reasons i don't understand maybe it's just the way i'm built but um that's something that is more important to her than it is to me i i i, I enjoy that i like that but i just for her, it's, it's high on the priority list, and, and it should be on mine too, probably. But my point is this. If you don't think that's intimate to pray with your wife, hmm. what? If, just picture in your mind your wife comes and says, hey, I've got a new prayer partner. We, we're going to pray every morning, da, da, and you're like, that's <laughs> wonderful, and you find out it's another man. Yeah, changes the— You're like, yeah. no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're like, well, why? We're just praying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my point is that's how important prayer is, and it touches some heartstrings. Mm-hmm. We have to be very careful about, and and we as husbands ought to be the one to uh, to you know have that with our spouses. Oh, I'm going to jump in here for a minute. I've, I've sat here and I've been pretty quiet today so far, but I'm going to jump in here. I'm going to start with some scripture here. You know, uh, a piece of advice I when I when I was getting some stuff ready for today, 
I knew about the question. I did not know it was a wife or a husband who had sent in the question. However, um, and just as way of uh, speaking for myself, uh, disclaimer, if you will, I would counsel people differently, a husband and a wife. And we've talked about that a little bit, you know, because there are different roles, but there are some things that I would share either way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think one of the first things I would bring up is this, and it's in Colossians uh, chapter three um, verses 23 and 24. Um, And it says this, whatever you do work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. Now, we lots of times when we look at that, we talk about work, our jobs, how we go about doing things. You know, I'm not working for man, I'm working for the Lord. You know, I go to work every day, I'm not working at, well, when I used to go to work, at a, at a you know, I work for myself, but when, you know, when I was working for, a car dealership or whatever, you know, I had to keep in mind that I was working for the Lord, not for the dealership. Well, that's how we read these verses a lot. But if you go read these in context, you actually back up to verse 21 where this, uh, no, I'm sorry. Verse 18, sorry. Where this whole like subs where, where this whole thought process starts, it starts out this way. Wives submit to your husbands as it, as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers should not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And then it continues to go on, and then it kind of talks about work. We talk about this, these verses lots of times. We quote them about work. But when when Paul is writing this, he's writing this to families. He's writing this to husbands and wives and children and parents. You know, you have to do these things as for the Lord. Right. So that is the first, one of the first things I would share with anybody in this situation, you know, is, you know, what you're doing is unto the Lord. So you're still going to, like you mentioned, you're still going to love your husband or your wife, even though, even if their relationship with Christ isn't right. And that's going to put some strain in your relationship. If you're trying to live for the Lord and they're not, that is going to add some strain. But you do still have to do that. You still have to treat them with love and you still have to act with them in love. And you still need to do it as if you're doing it for the Lord. Mm-hmm. So if you're wanting to be pleasing to God, then you're going to still serve your husband and be respectful to your husband. Because notice, might... yeah, in the in that passage, there are no conditionals. All the commands that are given. Right. Husbands yeah. love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Children, obey your parents. There's no... As long as, right. and only if, they do X, Y, and Z, it's just do these things. There's no conditional. Right. <laughs> Job might be a little harder, but yeah. you, still, <laughs> right. still got, you still got to. So I didn't mean to interrupt you. But. Point, and Jesse, I'm glad you brought that passage up. It's, it's, it's well thought. Um, the, the covenant of marriage, we always think of, um, you know, that you made a covenant uh, with your spouse. And you entered into this, this covenant um, and <clears throat> we talk about, you know, our commitment, okay? And we need to understand that the primary person that we are committed to is not our spouse. Right. The primary person that we're making a covenant with is not our spouse. 
it is with God. Right. And so we are 100% committed to God. We're 100% committed. We're in covenant, not with each other. We are, but we're both in covenant, marital covenant with God. Right. So your commitment is not based on his or her behavior. Yeah. But on God's character, which is unchanging. So our, our covenant, our commitment are, are seen as unto God. And, and hopefully not, not everybody does anymore, I guess, because, you know, people do different things with weddings, which, you know, that, that may be a whole episode sometime and I'll get some more hate mail. But, uh, I, I, I think it's, it's still important that, um, the church and the idea of the holy matrimony, Mm -hmm. uh, is, is important to be brought up at a wedding. But even if it's not, and you entered into a com- commitment with that person, just know your commitments to the Lord. Yeah. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt Jesse. I just no, I no, just like that verse and, and the thought that it brought to my mind. So. Well, like I said, and that that would be you know something I share with both. You know, the, you know, we think of that verse a lot of times, and we definitely relate it to work. But when when Paul wrote it, mm-hmm. he was writing it about family relationship. And then he goes on to talk about bond servant, and but he starts out with family relationship, and then you look at Peter, and and, and you know this would be one of the verses I absolutely bring up separately, read different parts for a husband and a wife. But since we are talking about the wife, First Peter uh, chapter three verse one says this: Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husband, so that even if some do not obey the word, they will be one without a word. By conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external with braiding of hair and putting on of jewelry or clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with imperceivable beauty of gentle and kind spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Mm. So, I mean, if you want your husband to come back to the Lord... You model it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly what first person he says, even if your husband isn't following the word, they may see your actions, see your purity of heart. And trust me, I have a wife that is a great person, but occasionally, occasionally, and honey, if you listen to this, it's real rare. Okay. But you know, she could nag me or upset me over, how she comes about something. Jesse, I'm so disappointed. I know. <laughs> I know. But ultimately. Next you're going to say you argue. Uh, now, ultimately. Now I'm concerned. I will tell you this. My wife did what she shouldn't really have done. She was unequally yoked. I was not mm-hmm. a saved person when we got married. But through her commitment to the Lord and her commitment to, to me and our children, and our constant scene of her heart, it made me go, I want that. I want, yeah. I want, and my wife will be like, oh, it wasn't me. And it wasn't. You know, the Holy Spirit was involved. She got me going to church. The, the word got hold of me. There was a, but ultimately what got me to church and what got me to where, you know, I think the Holy Spirit could reach my heart was seeing how she acted. Yeah. Mm. So, ladies, if you want your husband to be a man of God in principle, keep modeling it. It's it's tough work. It's tough sledding. I'm not going to tell you it's going to be easy. 
but most things that are worth fighting for never are. Right. Yeah. And and right. also with the understanding that it, it's no guarantor of, of success. Correct. That's and I think that's that's the difficult part, which is part of the reason why I think Paul in that passage capstones it with which to the Lord is most precious. Right. Which should inform as to motive. Yeah. Which really should inform to as a, to motive. And I think like you like you were saying, Jesse, that they're going to see your spouse will see um that inner beauty. Uh but ultimately and honestly, for for yourself, if if you're going to do it to uh, in a way that is sustainable, it has to be with the motive that well, because to the Lord this is most precious. It has to be because otherwise, yeah, otherwise you get impatient. Yeah, you don't, yeah. you're not yeah. seeing results. Yeah, and and the the inner adornment that Peter was talking about, um, that is the result. Mm. I mean, the thing in itself. It, yeah. it is worth the doing because it is to the Lord and to Him it's precious. So if He finds you precious, that that is the result. Now, hopefully, that has some other results with, right. with your yes. spouse. But even even if it never does, right. it's still the thing to do because and, and it's that precious is, to God. And I think that that's probably one of the greatest uh, exhibitions of, of faith. Uh, and and of course, the one about stake could apply to a number of situations with any engagement with with people because there is the the way that in our flesh we would like to handle the situation mm-hmm. and then there's a way that scripture uh which more often than not is in opposition to how we would like to handle the situation and by and in this situation with a wife who is unequally yoked or or with a husband who is is going through one of those darker periods in his life the the desire is going to run contrary to what we are told in scripture to do with that uh, with that maintaining that inner beauty for wives uh with the with the love gentleness and respect and by doing so the you are saying i know that it's not through my actions like you were like you were saying your wife would would say it wasn't me right and, and it wasn't which means the holy spirit was working and doing his work in your life and she had to trust that that was actually happening, and that's actually very difficult to do in in, in all manners of life, but especially in, in one like this, yeah. right? I'm going to do this with the understanding that it's not going to be my words or actions; it's going to be the work of the Holy Spirit in that other person's life, and that's well, being hands off in that way is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the tough. We we want to often tell people God doesn't always tell me what He's doing because I would try to help and mess it up. But yeah, it's it's only through the, the Holy Spirit that the heart's going to be convicted anyway. So and I, if if we try to help too much, we we end up getting in the way, you know, yeah, more right. more than helping. So and if if he was a true believer before, right, um, he there will be conviction. Yes, God, no, no, no doubt, absolutely. And, and whether or not if he uh, gives into that conviction and turns around or not, that that'll be in game. <laughs> that's 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 on him. Right, yeah. but as the wife, uh, yeah, yeah, and prayer, like you said, William, is so vital. You have to be intentionally praying for your spouse, mm-hmm. even even when your marriage, like spouse, is following the Lord, and your marriage is great. We should always, as spouses, be continuously praying for mm-hmm. for our our great, bride or our husband. Great segue, great segue. Because I can't even. It's just, I can't even tell you how much prayer 
alone has changed my life and my marriage. I mean, but you do, you have to, I don't care if you have to set an alarm on your phone, like, or, you know, for example, me, uh, I wear silicone wedding bands when there was a time in my marriage where my wife needed just so much prayer. I, I switched from a black ring to a white ring just to kind of like when I'm driving, Mm -hmm. like I'll see it and it'll kind of trigger. Okay. Pray for her. You know, if it it may sound dumb, but just if you need reminders to, to stop and take a minute to pray for your spouse, do whatever it takes. Because I I think prayer is so, so vital. Well, it absolutely is. And I I love that actually. I mean, because that's why the ring's there, right? Right. To identify you as in covenant with somebody, but also to remind you, of your wife, yeah. yeah, you know, it's in her presence, so to speak, you know, and so I think that's that's really cool. I, did, I didn't know you do that. Um, but you know, pray for the repentance for their sake. Yes, um, yeah. I mean, not that there's anything wrong with saying, "Lord, I'm really suffering here," because that's a real that category he, for that spouse who's mm-hmm. who has the um, the wayward uh, uh, spouse, but but also for their sake that they would be repentant and and when repentance and 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 uh, conviction comes, and it comes hard, and it hits hard, right? Very, very the, often, yes. Um, you know, whenever the, uh, when the slack-jawed, drooling troglodyte that is the modern husband realizes what's wrong, <laughs> in all honesty, yeah. in all honesty, right? And, and, and uh, uh, they'll, you know, they'll all be singing with, uh, with Ray Lamontagne, right? I've been saved by a woman. <laughs> that's 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 how they'll feel. But right, you know that that'll be. Uh, hopefully, the Holy Spirit would bring that person back to repentance. And 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 just the, in case you think we're putting everything off on the wives, we're answering this from the point of view of a wife that's dealing with a husband who's not following the Lord. Yeah. Uh, but just you know, likewise, if I was sharing with a husband that was. Mm dealing with the same type of situation. I would also remind him out of first Peter chapter three, if you go to verse seven it says, likewise, husbands live with your wife in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers, they may not be hindered. As we talk about prayers and stuff, you know, when you read this and you, you look at this, this is a, this is not only a, you should do it, but there's almost like a warning here for husbands. <laughs> if you are not treating your wife with respect and honor, your prayer life can and will be hindered. The Lord, you know, is going to be, you know, because yeah. that is such a, you know, that is the, when, when Jesus talks about our relationship with God, you know, oftentimes he, you know, he compared to you. I'm the bridegroom. You're the bride. This is this is the picture he gives us, you know. And as that, as husbands, we absolutely have to be about praying for our wives and 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 treating them with honor and respect because they're 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 with us in everything else. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we have to be very weary of the the responsibility that when we entered in that covenant, we agreed to you know. To, to provide for our wives, take care of our wives. And I'm not talking about going out and earning a living. You should be doing that. You, you know, if your wife's working and you're not, you need to reevaluate. And that's my personal opinion again. But, you you know, we don't, but we 
agree to provide a, a, a safe spot for our, our, our wives to feel when they, you know, are with us that it's it's honoring and it's... We, we need to be building them up. Um, you know, statistically, and I forgot what the number is, but it's very high. I want to say it's like 93% or something like that, maybe higher. Um, if, a, if a husband and a father are faithful, the family follows. It's a very high percentage. If the husband and the uh, is faithful, the wife and the children at least, you know, as long as you have them, because yeah. we all know children sometimes grow up and go their own way. But in any event, uh, the family is, is involved in that. And it's, if the husband will come, the wife 90% of the time or better will follow. Yeah, uh, because I think women want that. They they want that leadership. They also want that spiritual connection. So you don't have to normally twist the wife's arm too hard if you're the husband to get her to to come. Although I, you know I do know a, a few. It, it right. is the minority though, but I do know a few where the husband comes faithfully and the wife just will not. Um, and uh, same advice though for that. You, you, if you belittling or berating or whatever uh, her about it all the time, you're not you're not going to change mm-hmm. her yeah. um, but I have seen m- far and away more instances where the wife and kids come but dad is not involved in the church mm. um, and that, so, yeah the percentage yeah. drops down at that point like, yeah like it usually it's trickled down which is just a, 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 I think right. a real life manifestation of that of what headship right yeah. uh, of course I don't mean for tax purposes uh, right, but the, the headship. But that's, that 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 tendency, that yeah. verifiable statistical number, is one of the things that drives um, a lot of emphasis people have on capturing the hearts of men. Mm. Because, and it's not just because we like men better. It's just that if men um, can be, you know, captured for Christ, the rest of the families tend tend to follow. Yeah, and so. Uh, and the, the converse is true too. When men stray away from the faith, they very often lead their whole family away, right. which to me is is both tragic and terrifying. Well, yeah, there's, uh, there's going to be an extra that, yeah, measure of accountability to that that's man. That's right. They're, they're, that that responsibility is laid clearly at the husband and father's feet. Mm. And that's so. something I think a, a lot of men don't think about: is we will be held accountable. Yes, I mean. Yeah. Now, ultimately, there, yeah, that's obviously you're not. Well, you can't make the make a person have faith. Well, you know, right? I mean, but in, you're accountable for how you leading them yeah, astray for, and that kind your, of yeah. thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, because what has modernity taught us? Modernity has told us that hey, marriage is two individuals. Right? I mean, there's an air of truth to this, right? Two individuals who are just coming together, but they're still individuals, and they're just kind of figuring out life together no real direction like they they share that mantle of paving the way mm-hmm. as uh, as it were as as the as the husband and the wife uh work you know uh, work out uh, uh the 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 rest of their lives and again there's truth to that certainly right a husband and wife are are, are equal no doubt but it is not going to be the same in terms of the the wife is going to have to answer for the spiritual condition of everybody else. Yeah. Um, in the same way, necessarily, that a husband will. Um, now, a wife's responsibility is still going to be to 
help her husband be better? Certainly. I think that's that's part of of, of the of the duties of of both spouses. Mm-hmm. But there is scripturally a unique measure given to yeah. uh, to to men in that regard, and and modernity has kind of resisted that in in the name of. I don't know equality or something like that, or a a, a warping of a sense of equality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but real quick, something I wanted to mention about the uh, prayers being hindered. Right. I I think there's a uh, um, again again that context in in First Peter three seven. Husbands living with your wives in an understanding way, which. <laughs> Which which can be difficult because there's so much I don't understand, uh, but <laughs> right. But I also I do no think I do think that there's also a um, I think there's a wider context here of specifically being unequally yoked, and that if your prayers are for your lost spouse or your wayward spouse to know the Lord, live with them in an understanding way, so that your prayers for that thing will not be hindered. Right, the idea here is that your understanding demeanor towards them mm. is very often the avenue through which your prayers right. will be answered. Right. And and I guess conversely, then I have and I haven't thought of that verse that way before. I, I, I really that, hadn't even good. put it in that context. But I see either, what you're but... saying. But so the converse would be, if you're not understanding, right, it's going to hinder your, your prayers, prayers for repentance because yeah, for her yes, coming to again, cry, yeah. which yeah, like I said, because now you're just getting in the way. Right, right, yeah, and so. and I think like I said that of course I mean that that the interpretation of course is not unique to me. Um, mm. I, I think I had read on that passage from it may have been from a a, a writer for grace to you. I I'd, I'd never um, like I'd never that. thought but, about that, but that's but, that's interesting. You know, yeah, but just uh, yeah, when I had first read that, that's 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 interesting and like and, that. and and it and it makes sense. But all right, yeah. well, I think we've. Uh, given the the best answer we can think of and and yeah um did you have anything else on that or just I, I i actually think the rest of what i have is 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 for another show okay okay because I, I didn't know you had more oh uh, i more notes, i have a, i have a whole bunch of statistics and stuff about oh, okay. marriage and family and yeah mm-hmm. and, and the and the falling of the, yeah, we, we should of, definitely do that uh have an episode about that i because there's there are a lot more lot more to explore yeah, in, on these kind of issues yeah because i have a i have a, a working hypothesis i'll probably write about it at some point about how the uh the sitcom destroyed the modern family uh, we were actually yeah, we kind of talking about that the other day we were talking about that the other day yeah because all men are depicted as buffoons and well yeah i mean even even in silly man children yeah, yeah, even in, dumb slobs was it even Homer in my Simpsons. joke right what is it what is that? I said the the slack jaw drooling troglodyte that is the modern husband, right? That it's yeah, unfortunately yeah. a a a self fulfilling prophecy of yeah. the caricature that has been built of of modern men, uh, which is a travesty. But yeah, but anyway. yeah, serious, serious. <laughs> it is. It's um and and you know as uh, I forget who it was, but somebody once said. Um, the, the greatest tragedy right now is that we are, even as Christians, we're laughing at things we that ought to make us weep. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, the depiction of the modern family, even in sitcoms, is uh, ought to make us weep. And, yeah. And yeah, the, yeah, the, the, the portrayal and yet we, of... we usually yeah. laugh. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it uh, is sad. Yeah, it's portrayal sad. of, uh, um, you know, every sitcom now has an alternative lifestyle person or couple mm-hmm. in it, and it's hilarious, and... You know, if, if if the enemy can get you laughing about things, 
yeah. then it's hard to take it seriously yeah, by sure. definition, right? Yeah. And so uh, things that ought to make us weep, we, we now laugh at. Yeah. And that's, I'll, well, I'll give you one more verse since we've said that. I'll give you one more verse, one more set of scripture today. And that is this. Uh, it is found in Second Timothy. But understand this, that in the last days there will be times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unpleasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Mm-hmm. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Yeah. Avoid such, such people. Yeah, you know it's getting harder and harder. Yeah. Second Timothy mm-hmm. verses, chapter three, verses one through five. That is something we should all yeah. be like. Since we talked about, it, we were just talking about you know things we should be laughing at that should make us cry. That's a picture of what we're looking at when you read those verses. That's a picture of what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and and it has been, you know, has been since since Christ ascended, uh, and and well, you, that was written two thousand years right, ago. Right, right, yeah. and notice he says in these last days. Right? Yeah, you know, again, a whole another episode, right? We've been in the last days, have been for quite some time, uh, but the things definitely are um, exponentially getting yeah. uh, escalating. Yeah, escalating. Like yep. um, and you know, this I'm, I'm sure that, you know. There's a reason that every generation has always thought that well, we're truly living in the last yeah. days, right? Mm-hmm. There's a reason for that. There's a reason so for that. So you know, I, I always try to live expectantly that the Lord, yeah. you know, His coming is is you know, as they would say, is nigh. It is close. Um, but without you know, I never want to say too assertively. Oh, it's it's tomorrow. Right. right, right. It is just around the corner. Well, live as though it were with the understanding it could be another 2,000 years. Yeah. Uh, it yeah. could be. <laughs> it's yeah. about every I, 10 uh, years that there's a real, like... Well, uh, we should have a... First of all, um, I think Paul goes on in Second Timothy 4, I want to say, and says, you know, um, the day will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But will heap to themselves teachers having itch, itching ears. You know, he's he's admonishing young Timothy to be faithful to God's word and you know doctrine. Right, and, and it's one of the my, last things he says because the yeah. apostles are dying. Right. right. So for those who don't know the context, right, when Paul says that you know, they'll, they'll they'll seek for themselves those kinds of teachers, it's because Paul is first off getting ready to yeah. face execution himself. The apostles are dying. Just about he and John are left. Right. And he realizes that. The apostolic teaching is now being left in the hands of other people, right? And so he's saying, if 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 anybody, even an angel, brings to you any other doctrine, doctrine. than what you've been given for the church once and for all, Mormon. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, well that's how they got the book. Right. Uh, supposedly, right. some angels appeared in the woods, and you know, I almost don't doubt the guy. Well, you know, I don't a, either. A, a, fall, I, I, a fallen angel. Well, yeah. Same, yeah. same but, with Muhammad, right? Yeah. Gabriel appeared before Muhammad yeah. in the game. Well, well, well what's but not the, Gabriel. The Bible but says uh, that uh, <laughs> the, the, the demons can present themselves as angels of light. And so, anyway, that, that, I guess that's one statement. Of the, uh, the, but that day has come, is, yeah. is my point. Yeah. Paul says the oh, day yeah. will come. And I'm saying, no, the day is here. Right? Yeah. Because the word endure, he's not talking about church members who, you know, um, don't like it it's a, they won't tolerate it they won't mm-hmm. put up with it they will actively seek to silence sound teaching mm-hmm. so 
that that day is that day's come. I think, um, sadly. Yeah. Well, we could definitely uh, we can make episode after episode over all of that conversation there. Yeah. Well, we could it do goes... a, yeah um, <laughs> an interesting uh, book, and if and I haven't got it yet. I've been talking about it with uh, a colleague at work. Um, and I'm going to get it and read it, and we're going to discuss it because of the, it, and it's been out since um, I think this was written in the 90s. Like mm-hmm. anyway, it's called the Fourth Turning. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the book, but um, it, it's an analysis of American history based on an 80-year cycle. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about a little yeah, bit yeah. Sunday morning, um, but it, it, it is a uh, much more in-depth study of the old saying and i don't even know if that's where they got this saying or not but there's an old saying that uh difficult times make good men good men make better times and better times make bad men and bad men bring difficult times and so this is a an analysis of u.s history um based on an 80-year cycle where every 80 years there's a catalyst that happens that sends the country into upheaval and society is restructured, and, and, and everybody thinks, oh, this is the end of the world. He, I, I was listening to uh, the, the audio book sample that they just picked, you know, to give you a sample of the book the other day. And uh, the author uh, is, is reading um, a passage where he's talking about how cultural norms have shifted and, and all these horrific, and I, I'm thinking, okay, he's describing where we're at today in 2022. And he's like, you know, there's the government needs to be overthrown, all this stuff. And this was written in the, in the 1700s and it could have been written by you or I today. And so he's, because they were going through one of these turnings Mm -hmm. and there's four turnings. And so anyway, they predicted in that book in uh, the mid nineties, they predicted that in the early two thousands, um, and that there would be, um, some great economic, because there always is, there was a great depression, you know, and we came out of that better. Yeah. You know, anyway, um, of course, in 2008, you had the whole um, recession recession mm-hmm. and, you know, the interest bubble popped and everybody lost, you know, millions and millions of dollars and all that. Um, and they also said that in the mid 2000s, there will be a um, pandemic of some kind. And eventually what this le- is going to lead to is is a, uh, a currency that is more um, less third party controlled. Yeah. which is the whole thing of the Bitcoin, mm-hmm. you know. And anyway, a lot of the things they said would be the fourth turning are, are coming to fruition. And so there's been a resurgence of interest in this book. Right. Yeah. And just um, a, yeah, just a way of clarification, this book, although I, I, I haven't read it, but I do understand the premise that they are not claiming to make prophecies no of any I, kind. I don't they're, think they take a religious no. view of it all they're just historians uh, yeah, right, they're right. Just, yeah yeah they're just looking at the together. history yeah. so i um, only say that just because we do live yeah. right in a time where people are like oh so-and-so had a dream about the pandemic no no, 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 no. nothing like that they're, they're not like claiming that. to be nostradamus like or anything yeah. like that and um I, by way of disclaimer since i haven't read the whole book if they do make theological or doctrinal implications that are contrary to the to the bible though you know, I I don't I wouldn't obviously agree with him, but my I don't think they actually make a religious statement. They don't take that yeah position one way or another in the book. It's just purely a sort of a analysis of history that 
you know, there's been a lot of, like I said, a resurgence of interest mm-hmm. in it just because of, of, of all the changes we see because everybody, regardless of even where you live, yeah, everybody uh, seems to feel that some major shift is happening, even if we can't put our finger on what it is. Yeah. But, you know, and it, 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 that's right. a global kind of feeling. So, yeah. And I think maybe to kind of bring this full circle, the I was having a conversation with a co-worker kind of about these things. Uh, what do what do we do? Because as an individual, you feel so helpless. Uh, um, we're not fighting the cultural war. The cultural war was lost a long time ago. Right. Uh, not just for Christians, but for conservatives in general. The cultural war lost a long time ago. You're not the quiet majority. Mm-hmm. It's That's not true. The cultural war has effectively been lost. So what then do you do? Love your family. Have lots of children. Raise them in the you know the knowledge and yep. fear of the Lord. That that is what you do, right? And we live in a world where it is uh, those things are are under attack. The nuclear family is under attack. The question we we dealt with: What do you do with a spouse that is uh, is either wayward or a non-believer? In that case, pray for them, live with them in understanding, yeah, loving, uh, uh, because we live in an increasingly dark world, and and with increasing urgency mm-hmm. and the, the hope for that ultimately is in Christ through what is the base unit of all civilization. That is the family. Yeah. Well, and that, uh, it's kind of like C.S. Lewis wrote about, uh, the question was posed to him. How, how should we live now that we live under the threat of nuclear annihilation? And he, <laughs> as only C.S. Lewis can do, he brilliantly responds, uh, most eloquently, I wish I could remember the whole thing, but the gist of it was, you know, it's always been possible that you would die. That yeah. all of us will die, mm-hmm. and most of us will die painfully, yeah, um, or horrifically. And he said that's always been the case. The nuclear bomb is just one more way you might die, and mm-hmm. so he says, this is how we live. When the end comes, let us find, let it find us doing the small things and joyful things we always do. Yeah. You know, going to school, reading a book, uh, listening to music, playing tennis, just, you know, knowing the Lord. Yeah. You just keep living your life because here's here's one thing we do know. <clears throat> Excuse me. The end is coming. Yeah. If not for everyone, at least for you and for me, <laughs> you have a, yeah, that's a whole different story. But uh, uh, anyway, everybody has a countdown timer. Yeah. <clears throat> I literally have one on my iPad for uh, the day I, I believe I'll be transmitted to glory but anyway um i i know it only one runs one direction yeah and it's down That's right yeah and here's the thing you you have a countdown timer too yep. you just may not have it on your ipad nobody's but getting that time back no, it's no it's, yeah, you can only make withdrawals yeah and uh so anyway it's yeah. so in the meantime what's 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 the greatest purpose of life to know god and enjoy him yeah mm-hmm. and and so yeah we'll yes yeah, keep doing if you are a spouse the number one way you do that <laughs> yeah. is loving your spouse. Right. Yeah. Amen. All right. And to well, remember, guys, oh, go ahead. No, go. To remember, at the end of the day, the one thing we all desire to hear is well done, good and faithful service. Yes. There you go. Uh, Brett, could we, uh, we don't know this person's name, and, and the truth is I don't know if they're listening or, or will, uh, but could we take a minute and pray for this for person? For sure. I'll, yes, I'll, I was, I'd like yeah. to do that if we could do that. I'll just voice our prayer if that's all right. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your goodness, your grace, the superlative nature of all that you are. 
Father, we praise you that you are high and lifted up with your unassailable holiness and perfection and glory. Father, we just come before you as you tell us to do with thanksgiving and joy, but also with our petitions. So we pray for our sister. We don't know her name, Father, but you know um, you know her name, you know her heart, you know her situation. And Father, you are able. We know that you are good. And so I just pray that you would uh, quicken the Holy Spirit in her spouse. If he knows you, I pray that you would uh, send the conviction that he needs to to return to you, return to the faith, and help him walk in a manner worthy of his calling. And Father, I pray you give uh, this lady peace. You give her wisdom. You give her patience. And Father, you would guide her thoughts as she prays for him and continues to love him. Father, I pray that uh, your grace would just be poured out on this situation. And we ask these things because we believe they're in accordance with your will and your word. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys, for listening. God bless. We love you.